This is the Paul Goff audio experience. Whether you call yourself a PT, a physical therapist, or a physiotherapist, and wherever you are listening to this right now, this is for you. It is me revealing everything I can to help make you a more successful business owner. Thanks for listening. It means the absolute world to me. All right, so let's do another mastermind wrap up. It is July the 4th. Happy Independence Day to you if you are in America listening to this right now. Um, It is Tuesday evening. It is quarter to eight and I am driving home having spent two days at my um, personal mastermind program, which I'm involved in with a group of business owners here in Britain. I come uh, to a meeting in Birmingham every three months so it is q3 um we're obviously just four days into quarter three and we meet for strategic planning uh two days where we uh, eight of us get together in a room and we talk about our businesses we present our um last three months data we talk about what we did and what we said we would do versus the results that we achieved and then we look to uh, budget and forecast for the next three months uh to ensure that we have a successful quarter and what i find being involved in these um, mastermind events that is you are often and more often than not you learn more about yourself uh, by being in the room with other business owners so it's not necessarily the challenges that you come down with that um, is the value although that is incredibly value uh, valuable it's often the learning that happens when you are watching and observing other business owners in the room that you begin to find out more about your business. So I love masterminds. I love to learn and I love to be involved in as many as I uh, as I can. So I'm going to give you a wrap and I did this on, um, I think it was back in April, it was early April, I was on the same road, I was driving home from Birmingham and I'd been in the same room with the same eight business owners and I spoke through my um, notes of the day that uh, that stuff that, that had impacted me across the course of the two days. And I'm going to do the same again. Now, I'm doing this for as much of your benefit as I am mine, knowing that I will listen back to this uh, particular episode in every wrap up if you like of my own mastermind and my own learning so this is something that I will most definitely be coming back to and I want to just share with you a little bit about what I've learned uh, about myself and my own businesses um, over the last couple of days so I'll give you some insights into what has happened uh, and stuff that I've learned so he's one that I'm going to kick off with assets how do you strengthen your assets that was a question that was posed to us in the mastermind room um, just today how do you strengthen your assets now in um, in old money if you like asset was always a building or it was always a business um, your parents and certainly my parents and grandparents would probably look at their assets as their home or if they were uh, wealthy enough their second home or their rental homes or their business that produced a revenue or an income now when it comes to business your assets um, for you to be able to strengthen them you first must know what they are your assets could be anything from your IP your intellectual property the people of your business and the processes the systems of your business so if you're thinking about wanting to strengthen your assets because it's important to understand what your assets are given that assets are designed to produce revenue Revenue is designed to produce profit and you're supposed to be able to turn profit into sales. Now in a heartbeat, that is the structure and the function of, of a business. So when you're looking at assets, um, intellectual property 
So let's talk through that. That could be something like your website. It could be your um, funnels. It could be your marketing uh, material. It could be the campaigns that you run. It could be videos that you've created that are on YouTube that will run for however many years um, after you created them that will be a constant lead generator for your business. So your intellectual property could be your brand, it could be your name. So in my case, the Paul Goff Physio Rooms, I'm starting to think now about how I start to protect more of my brand and my intellectual property because um, there are a lot of people out there right now who I know who are looking at my stuff, who copy my stuff, who enter my email funnels and then swipe my emails, who look at my uh, product pages or look at my website and try to copy it. They rip my scripts on videos. And I'm now um, already in kind of negotiations, if you like, with people about how I protect my uh, intellectual property um, even further and even better so that it makes it very difficult for people to um, to swipe what I do. But the IP in terms of um, it being an asset, the more that I invest into my intellectual property, so my brand, my name, uh, my marketing campaigns, my funnels, my uh, nurture campaigns, if you like, the uh, the greater the asset that I have. So the next one, the people. So if you're an avid fan of my podcast, you'll know I'm a huge believer in investing in people. I am relentless in the training that I do with my team, what I expect from my team. Um, they know that I'm committed and dedicated to learning, and as such, they must be if they want to hang around um, with me in my business. But it's also then up to me to provide an environment for them to be able to um, to be able to grow and to be able to learn. So investing in uh, your people um, will see a return on your asset. Remember the formula. So business is about using your assets to turn those assets into revenue. Now, where this gets confusing is these things do not appear on a P&L. So if you're familiar with a profit and loss statement or a balance sheet, or you talk to an accountant once a year because you need to file your taxes, they will not have these things as assets. And that's where this gets confusing. It took me a lot of years to figure this out that the language of accountancy is not necessarily the language that you need to understand to be able to um, maximize the productivity that is happening inside your business. There needs to be accounts filed for law, for legal, for uh, for the government to be able to, you know, to, to keep them off your back. But there also needs to be a set of what's called a management accounts, which um, show you the results of the activities that have happened in your business. And if you are to invest in your people, you are essentially um, investing in an asset. Now, the asset, like I said, is to turn uh, your goal is to turn your asset into revenue, revenue into profits. So don't get confused with that. A lot of people see their staff as cost of goods and services or as a debt. Um, and they are in, in terms of you know your um, government, your official, your accountancy balance sheet. But in your head, you need to see people as assets. So investing in your people is going to help you to get a better return um, and grow bigger revenues and then essentially be more uh, productive at turning that revenue into profits for your business. So how about this one? The processes. Uh, the processes of your business. So I wouldn't have got from one clinic to four and to be able to scale a cash-based business without um, uh, 
pretty relentless focus on the processes that happen in that business. I think last year when I uh, totaled up my business, we hit something like a 27 or 28% uh, profitability. So we, we existed on a 27, 28% um, profit in the business. And that was made possible because of the processes that I have in the business to, to pretty much maximize and leverage the, um, the revenue or the assets at every step of the journey. So if you are looking to, um, and that's the question, how do you strengthen your assets? That's the question. Don't, don't deviate from the question. How do you strengthen your assets? It first um, requires you to understand what those assets are, which is your IP, it's your website, it's your nurture funds, it's your marketing campaigns, it's your brand, it's your name, it's not a logo. It's your brand and it's what you know what people would say about you. It's videos on YouTube that produce an ROI that convert people from leads into uh, to clients. And it's also the people and the investment that you'll make in those people and the training that you will uh, allocate and also the processes that are going on in your business. So here's another phrase that I wrote down today um, that got my attention. Business, um, I'm starting to switch my focus very much to these three words reliability predictability and sustainability reliability predictability and sustainability and if you um, instead of looking at more growth which a lot of businesses do and that's fine I'm, I'm good with that but a lot of businesses are so hell-bent on more 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 which is fine because sometimes you do need more 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 but the question can often be how do we get this business more reliable how do we get this business to churn out predictably reliable profits? And the third key point, how do we sustain it? Because once we've got it, we want to sustain it. I'd put it to you that a lot of businesses, once they have very good quarters or they have very good years, if they switched from more growth to more reliability, more predictability, and more sustainability, the owners of those businesses would be a hell of a lot more profitable um, than they are today because the constant pursuit of more the only thing that I pursue and um, look to pursue is more cash more profit and more cash that's it it's not more patience um, it certainly isn't more staff it's more profit and more cash and the um, decisions that I make hopefully will guide me to more um, more profit and more cash in your business uh what else did i write down purpose of a mastermind enhance your business skills which is very true um a mastermind really isn't about even an roi it's um for me it, when i attend these events it's about enhancing uh enhancing and sharpening your business skills um what's the roi of learning how to solve challenges and problems in a business it's incredible uh what else have we got uh, second something called second order compliance uh, second order consequence second order consequence got brought up today now I found that fascinating to give you an example of what that is um, obviously we're in July and a, a couple of the people in the room started to say that it wasn't worth running marketing campaigns through the summer because in their industry you know there's that there's that phrase again in my town in my industry everybody thinks their business is different and it's all of a sudden for some reason subject to a completely different set of rules than everybody else but second order consequence kicks in when you would say something like there is no point um, running a marketing campaign in August because everybody is out of town what that means is 
the very fact that everybody believes that in the business means that there is actually an opportunity for somebody to dive in there and uh, take advantage of that second order consequence. So the consequence of everybody in an industry thinking like that is actually an opportunity. Because if every physical therapist in your town today thinks that there is no point advertising or running Facebook ads or creating a marketing campaign or emailing their list in August, the opportunity is actually bigger and it almost takes care of itself, the fact that 10% or 15% of the people in town might not be reading emails because they are indeed on vacations, but the fact that nobody else is speaking to them actually makes the pool of people that you are marketing to bigger. Does that make sense? Second order consequence. So every time that you assume that there is an industry norm and you assume that you will not produce an activity or an output in your business like marketing, because you think that there is no point, realize that your competition are also thinking exactly the same. Therefore, the opportunity that presents itself to market is actually greater than um, outside of, say, the holiday period of time. Let me see what else I've got for you. I'm literally um, just looking through my notes and I'm just reading to you as I, um, as I see it. Subtract the bits that don't work, um, which again goes back to more on the, the focus of profit. Instead of adding more, instead of adding more staff or instead of um, looking to grow in terms of patience, what can we subtract? What isn't working right now that, that um, we can subtract? And if we do, we will actually generate more profit. So is it a staff member? Is it an insurance company? Is it a product? Is it a service? Is it um, a day? Is it a location? Sometimes you can very easily get overstretched on um, the number of sites that you have. And as a result, um, you look back at the output, which is the activity. Um, one of the, you know, the, uh, the levels of activity that you um, invariably put into the business. You want to see an ROI. And sometimes instead of doing more, um, if you can apply critical thinking and look at the business, it's often more profitable to take something out. All right, here's another one, dealing with staff. Now, I love this, and you're going to hopefully find this helpful, particularly as you grow your business. Um, and if you do have staff, um, this is an absolute genius way of, of managing staff. So question that I would often get or to give this context would be, how do you deal with staff? So you've, you've hired a, a brand new secretary or you've hired a brand new physical therapist, and they ain't doing a good job. How do you deal with them? How do you get rid of them? How do you set the standards? How do you set your expectations? All right, it's gonna go like this from now on and it's gonna be this simple. The first time that they create a problem, so they don't do as you ask, they turn up late, they're just not as thorough as you would like them to be or they don't get the outcome that you asked for them. The first time that they don't get it, it's your fault, okay? This is the, this is the formula that I want you to adopt from now on. The first time, it is your fault. The second time, it is their fault. So if you have to have the same conversation again a week later or two weeks later about the same thing, it is their fault. They get one more chance. And if it happens a third time, they need to leave. If it happens a fourth time, it's your fault again. So let that sink in. Next time you have a problem or a challenge with a, a, even a relatively new staff member or an existing staff member, you take the emotion away you're not dealing with the staff member anymore. You're dealing with the situation. You're dealing with the outcome or a lack of it. And once you start to see it like that and you start to think about 
this for the good of the business because when you are sitting in front of a staff member it's very easy to get emotional and think that this is going to be personal and it can get very difficult a tip for you that i um, deploy at my practice is to remember that when you are speaking to a member of staff there's actually a third person in this relationship and that so that you have one relationship with a staff member and the second relationship obviously they have one with you so if you like the third relationship is the relationship with the business so it's not just how your decision impacts that staff member it's how your decision impacts the business which is where you will need to make all of your decisions from when it comes to hiring and firing if you want to keep it um, less emotional and you want to strip the drama from the conversations or the worry the doubt the uneasiness the awkwardness of firing people so this is how it's going to go first time it's your fault second time it's their fault third time they need to leave and if they're still there after the fourth time because you didn't get rid of them, it's your fault again. And that's the way you need to look at it from now on. So one more. Um, here's a great question. What are the critical drivers in order to hit the KPIs for the revenue or profit that you require to occur? That is a fabulous question. The quality of the question determines the outcome that you get in everything um, and most definitely in business. So what are the critical drivers? Here's my question to you. What are the critical drivers in your business? So what is the activity or the output that needs to happen? Is it um, the telephone calls? Is it the customer service? Is it the marketing? Uh, is it the uh, operational level? Is it the process? Is it the systems? What activity that you or a member of staff um, needs to do or be responsible for that is classed as a critical driver that will drive the kpis the things that you measure so then the number of calls converted the um, number of people booking out care plans the number of people who show up for their first sessions so there's those those are the kpis and then once you understand the kpis the things that you're going to measure you're much more likely to get the financial outcome so the critical drivers this is almost cause and effect. The critical driver could be, let me give you an example, the um, one-hour training that you will schedule every single week to improve the telephone consultations that mean you can charge higher prices and convert more people from prospects to patients and more patients from one-off sessions to a six-session plan, uh, six plan of care. So the KPI would be the conversion ratio, so the number of telephone calls versus, versus the number of new evals booked at your new higher price. And the financial outcome will be determined by um, those two things. So there you go. That's a wrap of uh, my last 48 hours in Mastermind. Uh, hope you've enjoyed that. I'll certainly be listening back to this um, uh, many times across the course of the next few months and years. So uh, happy to share it with you and uh, look out when will the next one be. October, my next uh, personal Mastermind that I will be involved in for myself and my own development um, will be in October. Uh, what else have I got? Has I got anything else that I can... Give you, oh, let me give you these. So we always go around the room just before I do wrap. We always go around the room and everybody gives their takeaways of each other's situation. So a couple of people give me theirs. I won't read everybody's, but one guy told me to have a clear three-year plan and arrange myself today to meet that plan. Um, one lady said to me the question, what can I get rid of in terms of responsibilities and roles so that I can grow and scale my businesses um, even faster? 
Uh, one lady told me to focus on a book, which I'm already writing, uh, because that would have a, uh, a huge impact on everything else that I'm doing. I'm uh, halfway through, or 20,000 words through my second book, which will be in the business space, so look out for that. Uh, I got some great advice from a lawyer in the room about legal protection um, to increase the amount of legal protection that I have over the uh, products and classes and my brand and my name and people trying to rip me off now from all over the world, uh, pretty much trying to do what I'm doing, which is expected that the more uh, successful that you get and the easier that you make it look and um, the more people want to actually get a piece of what you've got, which is fine, I'm good with, but just do it your own way. Don't rip my shit off because if you do, um, my new lawyers will most definitely be coming after people. So uh, there we go. What else have I got? Um, figure out how to make the um, profit that I've been making over the last few years to have a compound effect um, so that sort of silently in the background the um, the revenue that my business has made over the last few years starts to work more for me. And my last one was play big. Um, one of the guys in the room, he um, I love his takeaways and he always sees everything from a much higher level and he accused me of playing too small. Now, I kind of agree with this guy. In fact, I very much agree with him that even though I've grew and scale um, a business and, and done very successfully in the northeast of England and I now speak to people and have business coaching program that runs internationally and I'm about to move my family to San Diego and I kind of have however many companies, I'm still thinking probably smaller than I should. And ironically, what is starting to happen now as I do start to think bigger and, and really start to think big, not just um, with regards to what I'm doing in business coaching, but I'm really starting to think bigger again in terms of um, the size and the number of clinics that I can be um, the owner of. And that's something that I thought I wasn't sure I was ever going to go back into. I was, um, I've been quoted a few times as saying I'm very happy with my four clinics and my focus is on the business coaching and, and helping my audience to um, run more successful businesses. But an interesting thing is happening. Um, the um, quest, if you like, to be a better business coach has meant that I have spent even more money and more time on learning even more about the uh, this wonderful thing called business. It's an intellectual sport. And the more time that you invest in it, the easier it gets and the more enjoyable it gets. Ironically, my own business, the Polgar Physio Rooms, is getting more successful as a result of that. And I'm really now falling in love again um, with uh, wanting to consider the impact of me uh, of me buying up more clinics and, and sitting at the helm of 25, 30, 40, even 50 clinics. So I'm starting to think very big, and um, or as it certainly as a result of today, I'm, I'm going to be opening up my horizons to think much bigger and start to think a lot bigger about what's possible for me as a business owner, not just as a, a business coach and a mentor and a facilitator of masterminds or programs, but to potentially over the next two or three years really go big and, and uh, do something that will knock a huge dent in the uh, in the physio world. Maybe uh, really dig back into growing and scaling 20, 30, 40, 50 clinics um, under my under my brand, if you like. My style, my marketing, my uh, phone calls, my staff training. Yeah, I've been able to do it to four clinics and I've been able to help hundreds of business owners all over the world. But I think there might be something fun in me going um, and starting to ask the questions of how big um, and what dent can I knock in the physio world um, with the number of practices that I can put my systems into. So there we go. Um, it's July the 4th. Um, happy Independence Day to America. 
um, if you are listening to this in the US. Um, look out for the uh, third, so which what will be Q4. My Q4 plan will come all the way, um, will be on uh, towards the end of October. So look out for my next one. And uh, leave me your comments in the um in the feedback section if you're listening on iTunes or SoundCloud always love to hear what you think um, of these updates of my own personal journey uh, for learning that's it for now I'm off to grab some dinner I'm absolutely starving I'm on my way home to my uh, little boys it's going to take me about an hour and a half to get there I'm just making a quick pit stop uh, to grab some dinner talk to you soon